It's the Mego Museum Podcast. Scott and Brian each sold separately. Hey, welcome to the third installment of the Mego Museum Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm Scott. Hi, everybody. And these are exciting times for us. It's Toy Fair time, and uh, it's unusual for Amigo Head to be excited around Toy Fair time, as, as Scott will attest, especially in the 90s. Uh, Toy Fair was kind of an ocean of disappointment if you were so inclined for a retro action figure. Uh, I still remember anxiously waiting for pictures of something to show up in every booth and, and every year being a little bit disappointed in Toy Fair. I don't know if you if you feel the same, Scott. Did you, did you have expectations that there were going to be retro offerings, or it was just like, oh, it's Toy Fair year, and once again... Uh, it's I, all it's all little Star Wars figures or whatever. Well, yeah, I kept hoping for something to come back, and I can remember years where uh, we'd get playing Mantis Action Jackson, and I would be doing backflips about how exciting that was because mm. it was a win. We're going to bring this back; it's right. coming back, and it's you know right. such right. the uh, the Hasbro Silver Age figures. You remember those? They were the the Aquaman and Green Lantern and Green Arrow. I, oh I yes, 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 yes. They and, weren't even eight inches tall, and I thought that was a victory lap. Right. Yeah. Right. They're still nice figures, but uh, now, and I can the, re- What were the, the the the? There were the DC figures that were sort of Mego like. They had the 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 articulated fingers, and they. That that, that, that was them. That was the Silver Age. Okay. Yeah. Right. They did like this this Superman Clark Kent two pack and the. Yeah, they they really failed. Yeah, they were horrible. Well, I, I liked the sculpts. I think the Aquaman is one of the best Aquaman figures ever made. The bodies were uh, oddly clunky. No, they were they were super clunky. But yeah. I can remember the next year they they did a weird job of distributing them. They put Superman and Batman as exclusives and made the right. B's, uh regular market, which didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and I can still remember my utter disappointment the next year when Hasbro didn't show any new uh, figures in that format that just became Target exclusives after that. And then we just got more Batmans. Right. And that was that, that, that I thought was the, the Mego revolution was over at that point. But now we're sitting here and we're both uh, wondering if this is the year we're going to see Star Wars in 8-inch. And Marvel, I think those are the two things people talk about the most on the boards. And what what are your what are your predictions? Do you think that's going to happen, Scott? Do I think we're going to see Star Wars and Marvel this year? Yeah, I well, I tell you, I would be enormously shocked if we did. I mean, we haven't heard any even hints or buzz about anything like that. I, um, I'm a, I'm the Duke is doubt as well. I I honestly don't think that's going to happen this year. I wish it would. I want it to happen. Yeah, but. Yeah, I just I, I I don't feel it in my gut that we're gonna get a eight inch Luke Skywalker this year. No, but the way things are going, um, it you know. It, oh, I'm it, optimistic. It, it, certainly, certainly next year we that could nice. happen. I mean, it all really. I guess I guess it depends on how well all this is working out for for Mattel. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. As far as you know, the the retro action stuff, and of course, there's a lot of you know debate on the boards as to whether or not the the distribution of the retro action is is kind of crippling that line or not, or whether they're overpriced and blah blah blah. But you know, there's definitely, I'm sure, somewhere, 
somebody has looked somebody in a position of power has sort of looked at and thought about uh Marvel I, I and Star Wars uh Mego style figures, but who knows? I would hope they're paying attention. Yeah. But I mean yeah, it, it no. seems to me, I mean they've they've only made you know, 50 billion different kinds of Star Wars figures. I mean, surely this is a a, a, a vein of ore that somebody needs to mine. You would think so. I mean, look at, look at how many different formats there are. And, and I mean, I was at a toy show last week or two weeks ago, and a friend of mine bought a Shogun Warrior shaped like a Stormtrooper. Oh, which God. is fantastic! Oh, man. Um, I know. I've seen. I've I've seen that, and then the 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 gentle giant blow ups of the oh. the Kinner figures. Just like I I really I I've focused very seriously just on the Amigo stuff because yeah. because it's like I I have limited resources and limited space, and I just cannot be you know swayed by everything that shakes its tail at me, but. Some of that Star Wars stuff is I'm so hardwired to respond to it that it's it's very hard to resist and so I mean I have no doubt that you know if 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 they made 8-inch Star Wars figures that would plug right into my psyche and they would have me forever. Well yeah and you know what I could live with myself if I bought those. If I bought those gentle giant things I think I'd feel guilty all day because it doesn't really <laughs> it's not really me but I could justify buying Eight-inch Star Wars figures and like, oh, this fits. This works for me. Absolutely. This is, oh, this, well, this is me. You know, it's it's like I I mean I've told the story a few times about when I was, you know, in the spring of 1978, and we were waiting for Star Wars figures to come out, and uh, there was a kid that I went, you know, I was like in second grade, I guess, second or third grade, and and there was a kid, and his name was Eddie. He was this giant lummox of a guy, and he swore that he had. Mego Star Wars figures, and he oh. talked. And you know, you know what I mean. It's one of those kids, yeah. right? And he talked about it like all week long. Yo, I got him. My uncle got him for me, and I got a Darth Vader and a Luke Skywalker and a C-3PO. <clears throat> and yeah, they're like you know, little eight inch. You know, and I could picture them so vividly. And then, and then he came. He was. He kept. He kept forgetting to bring him to school. And then, and then finally. Uh, the story was is that on his way to school, he had him in a paper bag, and and he dropped him on the side of the road and lost him. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 it's like I can still picture that little Mego Darth Vader in the bottom of a paper bag sitting on Alameda yeah. Boulevard somewhere. <laughs> yeah, my, my uh, it's on the same topic of that. My best friend growing up told me he had a Mego Flash, mm. and it was at it was at the cottage, and. Uh, <laughs> I think about three years later, I got invited to his cottage, and I don't. I think he probably thought I was a psycho, but I was like, "Where's that flash?" And he's like, "What are you talking about? Said, you said you had a flash." And he, "Oh, uh, you know, he threw that out." Oh. <laughs> yeah, God. I, I had uh, attention to detail problems back then, <laughs> and you never forget it. Nope, you never forget um, it. And then the funny thing is, is like, I, well, whatever. This is a tangent, but it's like then I've I've had. The same thing happened to me as an adult collector from people. Yes. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, I got a big box of them somewhere. I'm gonna give them to you. Yeah, yeah that, that's 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 you're right. That, <laughs> those, those kids grow up too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got the Flash at Target as a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. So who knows? Maybe we will see our, uh, those dreams come true at at Toy Fair this year. But we do know that there should be some sort of. DC retro action goodness happening. So what are your predictions for the next 
waves that we'll that we'll see from Mattel retroaction. I put a lot of thought in this, and I want to point out that I've had no input, no hints, no buzza buzza from uh, Doctor Migo or Joe Senna. They've said nothing to me. Um, but are, here's my. They are very tight lipped. They are very tight lipped, and and uh, and we haven't really talked unless it was about the Mantooth doll. So um, that's been basically my focus when I do chat with them. Yeah, yeah. So, but I've come up with four logical predictions. These are not Brian's choices. I I would probably want like Commandian Animal Man, so you know that I'm probably not. I don't have any input over at MC. That's for sure because I bankrupt them. Um, here are my four that I think we will see, and it'll be fun to see if I'm right or wrong. Uh, number one is Joker. I think this is a safe bet with all the villains that MC or that Mattel's done so far. Joker is an iconic character, and I can't believe they've held out uh, four waves without doing him. Mm. Um, Batgirl. Now uh, that we ha- now that we have a girl body for the retroaction line, I think she'll be the next the next character. She's a fan favorite. She's a favorite of mine. I know she's a favorite of yours. Yes. Um, I think that's a very possible. I would give. I would bet on that one. Okay. And here is the other two. And this is again just going with what I think. And having seen that we did Martian Manhunter, who's probably not an A lister. I think the next logical character or possible um, retroaction figure would be Red Tornado. Okay. Kind of a, a workhorse of the Justice League. He's more of a comic collector's character than, than the average person. Uh, he's, he's not a favorite of mine. It's just a hunch I have. And I think that the logical uh, villain to pack him with, if we're still going with hero, villain, hero, villain, would be Brainiac. Oh, because yes. Getting a double shot of androids. And uh, Brainiac was on Challenge of the Super Friends, which seems to follow a certain pattern that M- uh, that MC and the Mattel have chosen. These these are my thoughts. I, I don't know if I'm right. Those are what those, about you. Those are good thoughts. Um, Brainiac is was was actually on my list, uh, so we share that one. I think that that uh, like that that in particular is one um, head sculpt that I would really enjoy seeing in in retro vinyl. You know mm-hmm. the the green with the little raised that stuff that's on his skull um, would be super awesome. So I I think Brainiac's a good choice. I, I mean Superman has we got our Lex Luthor, but we definitely need to see uh, some more Superman villains because it's it's you know right now still between Mix, Mix Pitalik and from Mego and Lex Luthor from Mattel we still only have two. Yeah, the Man of Steel needs more more people to punch. He does, he does. And along those lines, I would say, though, that, that it's possible that we would see a uh, Bizarro before we'd Ooh. see a Brainiac. That's a good um, choice. Actually, yeah. Well, I think, I, I, th- I definitely think that, um, I mean, yeah, it just makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, I don't know if, you know, I mean, because they can, you know, reuse what they did with the Superman or something like that, but uh, I bet we'll see Brainiac, or... Um, Bizarro at some point, so so I would vote for those two. Then um, I'm excited about a Batgirl, but for some reason I think we might see Supergirl before we see Batgirl. I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against that either. <clears throat> I have that hunch, and then my wild card that just occurred to me today, um, based on the announcement that they made of the new Dark Knight movie, my wild card would be Bane. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's complete. It's pro probably won't happen, but for some reason it popped into my head, so I'll put it out there as my long shot 100 to one uh, parlay bet special. And yeah. That um, the uh, you, you know they, they did the dark side that, that just has just come out with the sort of padded body and everything. I haven't seen it in person except at at Comic Con, but um, so maybe they're going to come out with another uh, uh, big giant bad guy. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten a dark side yet. I know people on the boards have been able to get them off eBay, but he looks way better than I expected. He looks like Jack Kirby Jerome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm I, I'm not a humongous dark side fan, but that really that works for me. Right. I, I like that. Right. And, um, and hey, I like and you know what? And I I just realized, of course, is like what I said about about Superman villains isn't true because Dark Side is famously a Superman villain. Yeah, I guess, you know, I think he kind of adopted as a super... Like, I mean, he came from Kirby's fourth world titles. Right. And it just made sense that he would be the big villain of the DCU. But, you know, and I sometimes don't think of him as necessarily a Superman villain. That's more... Uh, well, More of a retcon. He's been so uh, he, he's he's been featured a few times in the animated series with Superman. So that to me, he's very Supermanish. He, he definitely works. Yeah. Definitely works. But I used to read like Mister Miracle. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, so I guess I always kind of still associate him with uh, all that. Uh, well, this say. is you know this is the point in the podcast when some of our serious comic book fans at the museum are saying, "Geez, can't these guys get a real comic book expert on this podcast?" <laughs> that, that would actually be a really good thing, and and we are going to have third chairs, so to speak, uh, for every podcast, so different folks to kind of lighten up the mood and and maybe uh, correct some of our misinformation. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm not a comic guy anymore. I uh, haven't been for about 20 years. I don't you, know about you. You know, it's funny. Like, people ask me. They come over to my house, and they look at all these superhero toys I have, and they're like, oh, you must read a lot of comic books. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, actually, no. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say so. I like the I like the characters, and I like the toys, and I don't really know that much about them when you get right down to it. Um, my knowledge is pretty much limited to, to, to what I remember from when, when I was a kid and what I've seen on TV. And, I'm a uh, cartoon guy myself. Yeah, I, ha I haven't bagged and boarded a comic in forever. You know, there, there was a time, but I, I've, I've, right. I've shunned the, I, like that. That life is is far in the past for me. Really? So yeah, in All the right. same way. Well, anyway, we will, we're getting off on a. We will recruit some. We will recruit some comic book geeks and uh, from the boards and 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 have a, a good old hoot nanny at some point in the future. <clears throat> Absolutely. But for we, now, just, so those are those are our predictions for retroaction Mattel at the Toy Fair this year. So we'll see what happens. I guess we'll be seeing. Um, well, we the word may already have leaked out by the time this podcast airs. I don't know. We're recording this on Saturday, mm -hmm. and um, so hopefully we're going to see some exciting pictures from Mattel pretty soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Now, um, there's a couple of side projects that I think we should talk about. The first one is something I did, so I'll, I'll go for it. Um, I've started something. It's not Mego, but it's Mego-like. And next to Mego, it's one of my big personal obsessions. And that is I've started a domain called LincolnMonsters.com. And it's a tribute site to this um, series of Mego knockoffs called uh, the Lincoln International Monsters. They were unlicensed trying to look like universal monster dolls i have a very personal history of it of these figures because my dad sold them and i explained that on the site and uh i decided i really wanted to create a 
a top-notch website for them and master CSS at the same time, which is something I, I it intimidated me for five years. So I've launched it this week, and I I hope people like it, and hopefully they won't find uh, my obsession sad because I've shared some things I've never shared before, like I, I painted a portrait of the Lincoln Dracula. <laughs> when did you do that? Uh, this year. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I wanted to try portrait painting, and that's what I had. But anyway, so... Is that on the site? It, it isn't yet. It, it will be by the time people hear this. I haven't taken a photo of it yet. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but that's that's one of the things I had to get out of me, and now I'm very happy that I've, I've conquered CSS, and I'm yes. going to move forward with that, and hopefully people enjoy it and use it as a resource to identify the figure's get into them or sell them to me, whatever you want to do. Well done. I'm looking at the site right now. So you've got, you going with the, the, now, so are all of these Lincoln monster trading cards going to be printed and available? They are at the printers right now. I had some very supportive sponsors. I couldn't, you know, I put the word out that anyone want to help me with this financially. And uh, I got too many people. Right was excellent overwhelming and and just and just wonderful like people just they were so into it i i thought it was just kind of a me thing but people were like oh no i want to support this and i, I again very nice things to say about the migo community and and the and the the camaraderie it creates it really mm. really very supportive and i want to i'm going to personally thank every one of these people that that supported the cards and and uh, it's it, very touching Nice. And I've also done an Azrak Hamway set of monster cards too, but I'll, I'll get into that later, right. and you'll be able to see those on the Mego boards. But uh, and again, I was telling you off off mic that I was trying to push my Photoshop skills with those cards, and it, it nearly uh, it nearly uh, took me down. But I think I got it done, and I'm, <laughs> I'm very pleased. I think you yeah, you know, I think you did a great job. They're they're they they look really awesome. Uh, the Phantom in particular is a, a really good looking card, and right. uh, this Mister Mister the Mister uh, Mr. Rock. I can't believe you're doing Mister Rock. Mister Rock is just about the greatest um, knockoff in the entire universe. Just because, <laughs> like, first of all, he, he looks it's it's obviously Mister Spock, but he looks like Tony Randall. <laughs> and he looks two, like he, he looks like a like a Saturday Night Live skit version yeah. of Mr. Spock. <laughs> and and the name took them all of five seconds. Like you know, I, I, it's just it's one of my favorite knockoffs because it's so blatant. It's so bad. Oh, it's fantastic! And that 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 that, that mangled Barbie space communicator. <laughs> yeah. does, does it actually have a red heart on it? It does. Oh and my goodness! He can't hold that, and he also comes with a knockoff of a GI Joe flare gun. Yeah, and he can't hold that either. <laughs> so I have him on display in my in my cabinet with that stuff at his feet. Uh, so he, he, in the card, he's holding it, but that is Photoshop trickery. Right. Now what he, is that's impossible? Now what is what is the victim? The victim, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't it doesn't quite... have a page yet, but. It will, it will. Thank you, actually, for reminding me, or else I wouldn't have done it. It is a rumored figure. I got it in a lot uh, from a very dependable source. In fact, uh, Louis on the boards. Okay. And he said, yeah, I got the victim. And two people I've talked to said, yeah, that came in a catalog with the monsters. 
and it, she was just like an additional figure you could get in a catalog. And somebody has suggested to me it's the Harriet Carter catalog, which I don't really know anything about. But I don't have verification on it. So I put it up there more or less to find anybody who can back it up. Okay. So that's what it is. It's the it's this mystery figure that two people have told me, yeah, I had that as a kid or I remember that being offered. It's a strange idea. The, the doll's weird. Uh, I didn't pay anything for it. I don't, you know, it was just thrown in the lot. But I, I'd like to believe it's true. I, I I'm right there with you. I believe it. Yeah, I'm I'm a believer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've well, heard I've heard crazier rumors about yeah, toys. So. You know, I'm constantly uh, amazed by what gets unearthed. So LincolnMonsters.com uh, looks really good, man. Check it out. You know, and the thought occurs to me, like we got to get Lou from Miko like on this podcast, and, and oh uh, yeah. Yeah, and Miko like got updated this week. I know. Also. I was blown. Like I said, I was blown away by like where does all this weird stuff come from? And it's uh... yeah. Well, Lou Lou gets a mailbox. He shares it with me. People just send him weird stuff. Yeah. And I love getting emails from Lou. I don't hear from him a lot, but when I do, it's always something I run to my computer and download all the photos he sent me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's always something just incredible. And he gets he gets some. He got one guy who sent in. Uh, the greatest American hero figures on card. Wow. He had all three. Wow. That's, yeah. Oh, that, so I, that's where all that, that deal came down. That's where that deal came down nice. for, through Lou. Nice. And it's crazy. It's just, um, I, I love that site and I'm glad to see it going. It's, it's the king of knockoffs of Migos. It's Migolike.com. Check uh-huh. it out. Absolutely. And if you have something, he doesn't send it in. He'll put it up. It's great. Right. So we should probably then segue to another side project that you and I are involved in that is launching this weekend. And uh, that I am to to preface, I am to Doctor Who as you are to Lost. Yes. That'd be fair. So I love the thought of teaming up with you to and Steve Moore, adding Steve Moore, to create this new side project called Mego Time Lords, which is just to spread the Mego Who love. For the for the for the upcoming Doctor Who figures from Biff Bang Pow, we uh, yeah. The concept is exactly the same to the Island of Lost Migos, and that is to just preach about this new line and how great it is, and how you can kit bash other figures into the into new characters. And uh, you know, Steve is great because he's not only a Whovian, but he's a our regular resident customs poobah. Absolutely. By the name of Azrak on the boards, so this is going to be a really fun thing. Uh, it might get a little nerdy, but um, it I think might. It's... <laughs> okay. It, 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 it hasn't. It hasn't even started. But the main, the, the very idea of it is completely nerdy. So... <laughs> okay. It, it might get sad. Is what I want to go with. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it's it's yeah, it's it's been fun doing the outreach to non Migo heads uh, with the Lost Project, and um, I think the Doctor Who. Figures from Biff Bang Pow are going to be. Uh, I, I think they're going to. I, I think they're going to be a hit, and I think they're going to do quite well. I think a lot of people are excited about them. So I don't. Amigo Time Lords probably won't have the whiff of desperation that the L- Island of Lost Migo has sometimes, but um, definitely, uh, yeah, we want to uh, have. Um, I mean, certainly people are going to come to the Migo Museum and to the forums and to the Re Migo Gallery. Uh, 
to talk and find out about the Doctor Who stuff, but we wanted to be able to do a blog that that is updated uh, much more frequently and, and takes advantage of all the so, sort of social media aspects of it. So you'll probably see us on Twitter interacting with Doctor Who fans or um, on Facebook or, or whatever it is. So uh, yeah, we wanted to get that started and. Um, and uh, hope that people will uh, get excited and, and find ways to contribute to it as this whole Doctor Who Mego experience gets gets started. Absolutely. And, you know, I I think the line sells itself. But one of the things that we got to realize is that there is somebody else doing very nice Doctor Who figures. Yes. So people have people have choice and nobody's everybody should be happy. Yes, you know, there's there's these these nice little five inch figures from Character Options that are I have a whole shelf of them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now we have uh, retro cloth. I guess everybody calls it now. Yeah, Mego esque ones, and I, I just want to turn folks onto them with this, and and hopefully, I think it's a win win. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, if you guys have article ideas or anything like that, submit them to me. I'd be happy. I know we've got we're very who biased on the Mego forums. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes. At, at one point, we actually had a Doctor Who forum. We may have to bring that back. Well, the sci-fi forum is pretty much the Doctor Who forum. <laughs> right. <but. laughs> it's, it's a shame how little we actually talk about Star Trek, the original series, anymore. Yeah. Well, especially if Doctor Who's on the air, yeah. you'll notice all the little TARDISes on all the conversations, you know, the little icon for a TARDIS. Right. It gets it gets pretty thick, and if you don't like Doctor Who, man. well, you know. So I'll tell you, I I um I actually managed to watch the first Tom Baker episode on YouTube yesterday. Robot. Yeah, I yeah I guess so. Well, I I mean I saw the first part of the first episode. I haven't finished the whole thing, but it's like when he he reincarnates in a new body or whatever. So yeah. um yeah, so you know I'm. I, I am a total Doctor Who neophyte, and perhaps I'll be able to bring that perspective to uh, the Mego Time Lords blog. But um, you know, it's it's a, a Doctor Who is very cool. I've never had a chance to to spend any time with it, so so now, cool. now's my time. Yeah, you better. So. You're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get a quick education. Yes. To understand what me and Steve are talking about half the time. That's right. Well, and it's, it'll be so great to, to, to work with Steve because Steve is the kit bash uh, master. And I'm, I'm always going to him like whenever I'm like, hey, dude, I'm looking for this kind of boot or I'm looking for this kind of jacket or you got any suggestions for this or that. And uh, Steve definitely knows his stuff. So it's going to be really cool. Steve um, Moore is a madman. And I can't explain why, but... You'll see evidence of that when the Mantooth doll launches. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> he was the guy who designed Brick's outfit. Yep. And uh, he hasn't stopped. And I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. That's right. Um, oh, oh, wow. I, I, this, I haven't even seen all that stuff. He shared his world with me last week. And I, I was oh, like sweet in awe. <clears throat> I couldn't believe it. Oh, so, that's fantastic. Well, you know, we talked about we're, we're going to have to show all of the different I mean, he did a bunch of uh, costume prototypes for Super Collector. Yeah, we should show off too. Yeah, I've got so. I've got the the original one here uh, that he did, and it's it's uh, it's never leaving my house. Right on, right on. But, uh, well, well listen, anyways, we should. Uh, so so yeah, so Migo Time Lords uh, will be look for the link on the on the Migo forums. We haven't quite uh, gotten it all 
uh, uploaded yet, but uh, we're going to start. We're going to start that. And in the meantime, we've got this fantastic part two interview of Jason Lindsay of Biff Bang Pow, who is going to be speaking about, not coincidentally, Biff Bang Pow, Doctor, Doctor Who. And I want to preface this interview with an apology for getting so deep and so nerdy. Uh, Jason and I are both huge fans of Doctor Who, and it shows. So it does get a little geeky, a mm. lot geeky, and uh, right. it's it's more of me that I wanted to show. Yeah, but it's out there and in the ether now, so there's nothing I can do about it. So, right. well, you know, uh, look, I mean, if if people are coming back to listen to this podcast after the 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 last five minutes of the last podcast, where you guys were basically talking about William Shatner Canadian supermarket commercials, that's true. I I really think you know, like our fan base is. Um, Nerd proof, like you, you really can't get too nerdy for. for yeah, if you're talking Loblaws commercials. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, probably yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> with that, we present part two of our interview with Jason Lindsay. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy. First of all, congrats on Doctor Who. I know, Thank you so much. and you should explain, I guess, to those who don't know you, because is it, this is this is very personal for you. It is, and and it's weird because I feel like I need to sort of clarify that every time I talk about it because <laughs> because it it um, and I shouldn't say it's it's so if the BBC hears this it's wrong of me to be talking this way but but I am not one of those Doctor Who fans that thinks this show can do no wrong from sixty three to to eighty nine like it you know I don't I don't own every incarnation and every story on on the shelves you know it's I was exposed to the show as a lot of Americans were, um, in the, in the late seventies, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tom Baker, Tom Baker's first season started to air as far as I know, 78, 79, whatever it was. And I distinctly recall coming home from school and watching battle of the planets and doctor who on the weekdays. And I remember now that I think about this too, because I thought about this when I had this other interview talking to some other kid on the block about this show. And I'm like, have you seen this show? Have you t-? And he didn't know what I was talking about. And then I turned him on to it and he started watching it, but not nearly as long as I did, but it really did my head in because it was, it was the first thing that I'd seen, um, that was British, uh, that wasn't, you know, Monty Python that, um, that was on videotape. Yeah. It wasn't on film. It was really strange to see it, that. It, it almost had a, like a Sid and Marty Croft quality to it when you're a kid. Yeah, you did, it did. You almost expected something kind of silly to happen or something kind of funny to happen. And it was very, um, it was never like these kids would say, you know, I had to hide behind the couch kind of thing. It was never like, it never scared me in that way. It's more like it sort of disturbed me, like I couldn't look away. And I knew this was different than anything I'd seen. Now, my, my world consisted of, you know, James Bond and, and Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. It was yeah. anything sci-fi or, you know, remotely spacey you know, was, was on my, my radar. So Battle of the Planets was cool because it was spacey sort of and, and a cartoon and one of the heroes was called Jason, which was awesome. <laughs> I never got and that. And Doctor Who was just like something from another, another you know, universe kind of. And it stayed with me for years. I mean, to this day, if I think of Doctor Who, I think of that first season of Tom Baker's that was very sort of gothic and dark. And, you know, Davros, you know, the creator of the Daleks, was very disturbing. And, mm-hmm. um, and to me, it was really Tom Baker at the height of his powers, his first couple of years where he 
there's a reason that people talk about him being the, you know, the sort of Sean Connery of, of, of Doctor Who and that he, he took all that was sort of best about the character before, I think, and made it his own, but created something totally new and, and eccentric and, and different. He was unlike anybody on, on television. And I, I still say the show is one of the single best concepts in the history of television. It just needed the right, you know, budget and and effects and everything to let the rest of the world kind of understand that. But it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant concept 50 years ahead of its, its time. Yeah, and, and as you were saying, it, it, with its 26-year history, it kind of ebbed and flowed. It had highs and lows. And, and I, think you're, I think you're right. I think that Tom Baker's first year, I think it was Philip Hinchcliffe as producer's first year, yeah. the show really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, especially his first season, I guess, because they kind of they put a lot of ringers in there. They put all the they put three returning villains that were popular, yeah. uh, the Daleks, the Cybermen, and 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 the Santarans. And then you just had you just had um, you just had good on their own episodes like um, like Ark in Space. You yeah, know. and and uh, you had the best companion of all time, which was Sarah Jane. I mean, Harry was in there too, but Sarah Jane really is the is the pinnacle for that, and the the theme tune and the and the and the look of it and the the writing. I mean, it really was clever writing and was was above sort of the the children's sort of show that it, it was sort of pitched at originally, and it was very smart and kind of un, unsettling. And you know, being into it the way I was, and this is you know, you got to give it credit too because it, it it's airing you know in seventy eight seventy nine, but the shows were from like seventy five, so. This is before the Star Wars, you know, explosion, where everything sort of sized. I mean, Doctor Who really was its own thing. It was nothing really to compare it to. Uh, I think that's still true. Um, but uh, so, th- so there I am as a kid, you know, naturally sort of being into this and trying to get any bits of information or merchandise that I possibly could <laughs> out yeah. the show. And the closest that we ever came, and you can probably agree with this, oh, yeah. uh, Brian, the closest... First information I ever remember being anywhere about this show was in Starlog. Yeah, Starlog. Yeah, Starlog was the first the first sort of Bible that jumped on and said, "What is the show?" I think Famous Monsters did it too, uh, but I was I was more into Starlog, I think. And you know, I, I still have this pullout poster. It was either from Famous Monsters, Starlog, or Fangoria. I don't know which because I can't. There's no marking on it, but it's a um, heavier cardstock color supplement that went into the magazine. You pull it out, and it's this poster of Tom Baker kind of holding his hat off of his head with drawings of different monsters, creatures around him. And that was on my wall. I still have that thing. Hmm. That was on my wall. It was the only thing I could really, really find. So information was scarce, but more than that, merchandise was non-existent. Yeah, I, I growing up with the show like you did, I would have been all over Doctor Who toys as a kid and and boy you know I couldn't even uh, there was a point in the early 80s where I couldn't even get the target novels because yeah. they they had lost distribution in Canada and they were rare <laughs> you know yeah it was i mean here we had we had a set of 10 uh books that were released in the US um, I'm, I'm like this is all all starts to come back to me as we have these conversations Brian it's one of the it's one of the only reasons I keep in touch with you because you have this. No, I'm kidding. That's not the only. Reason. But you have this amazing ability to mention one thing, and it 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 snowballs into all this sense memory shit that I have locked away somewhere. But 
But these these novels that were put out by Pinnacle, that was the company in the U.S. There were a set of ten of them with they, those uh, weirdo covers. With those weird covers that, that made little or no sense to what was going on inside the book. But the introduction in those books was by Harlan Ellison. Yeah, I remember and that was those. my first exposure as a even as a kid. I was like, boy, this guy's kind of angry, you know. That was, <laughs> and that was when I was like nine, you know. Um, so the Pinnacle books were out there, and and you know, Starlog and a few little odds and odds and ends. And some kid, it was a friend of my cousin's, uh, told me about a, a magazine, Doctor Who magazine. And I, of course, being the know-it-all I was, at, you know, 11 years old, I was like, no, I'm afraid not, dude. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. He said, no, there's a magazine that's been out for years in England. And, you know, and I said, where do you get such a thing? And he told me, and it was this, this magazine shop that's now since, you know, folded. It was a chain of them in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And my dad took me to this this place, and uh, I found this, you know, one lone copy of this newspaper printed sort of magazine, with with you know pictures in it and on the cover of of characters that I didn't know yet because the the show, you know, got to us later basically. Right. So um, so I get this magazine, and um, I realize there's a monthly magazine out there. We're getting it late. Basically, I'm getting more information. And then um, eventually he tells me, the same kid tells me that there were toys. I said, Where, how come there's no toys? How come there's no action figures or toys or anything that's sort of out there? And he says, uh, there were. There were toys that were made in England. I said, no, again, I'm sorry. I think you're wrong. Your information <laughs> He said, no, no, they're out there. I've seen them in, I've seen them in the, the magazine. And so I used to get... Again, from the back of Starlog, you'd have these classifieds of, you know, send away a self-addressed stamp envelope and you get this catalog. And there was a company in England, I forget the name of it, like Star World or Star Beast or something. And you could send cash. I would send cash. Like, I would tape coins to an index card and put cash in an envelope and send it to England, you know, as an 11-year-old. Yeah. To get all these magazines that I needed to get information about Doctor Who. Um, and you'd get, like, a discount if you sent cash. And I got this issue of Doctor Who Monthly, and in there was as close as they ever came to a merchandise guide. And there was a grainy, crappy, awful, out-of-focus, black-and-white picture of the Dennis Fisher toys. And I looked at this thing, and I, I, I looked at this thing and studied this thing as if it was, you know, like um, my life depended on it. Like, like, what, like, I would never, ever, ever see these things. Well, how do they exist? Because... You know, England was a different different planet. I eventually got over there as a kid, um, just during Baker's last season. I went to Madame Tussauds to see all the the uh, the Tom Baker and all the creatures and stuff from his last season were there in the in the wax museum, thinking there would be toys everywhere. And <laughs> yeah, there was nothing. It was there was absolutely nothing. I found a, a set of Viewmaster reels, and that was it. I totally so, remember that picture, by the way. It's, it set off the same spark in me. Oh, in the magazine, so you yeah. know what I'm talking about. In the there, there, were, yeah. there, were, there were Doctor Who Migos, and it, it made me crazy. But there, you're also powerless. It was for me. I think it was like 1983. So I guess getting this license is is almost some vindication for you of how you felt Doctor Who needed more merchandise in this world. Is that true? Um, it was. It was a bit of that. I mean, they're now we're living in this really cool time where character options is like doing an amazing job with the current and the classic series and line of toys that are out there, but I always wanted that that line of toys. And again, the retro thing that this it, it so suits the show. It's so Absolutely. This is what it would have sort of been on the shelves, you know, back in the day with this. So 
yeah, in a way, it's kind of like these are the toys I was hoping were on the shelves when I went to England 30 years ago and wanted to buy to buy toys. I mean, it's that, but it's also it's, it's a very personal thing in that I, you know, having looked at the magazine throughout the years and read it as a kid and been into the show when I was and, you know, thinking about us, you know, I just did a quick, you know, conversation with a guy who's the, the editor who's going to launch this new U.S. magazine called Doctor Who Insider. And he wants to do a little piece on us and you know, launch issue in April and everything. And it's like, you're kidding me. I'm, my name is going to be in a Doctor Who magazine talking about these toys, like our company and talking about these toys. It's like, it's kind of mind blowing. The world gets very, very small when that happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting build, a good story, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about wave one and, um, and obviously, you you drew from the first uh, Tom Baker, Philip Hinchcliffe season for your, your 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 first wave, and I think that's that's very wise. And uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for not doing a smiling Tom Baker. You're very welcome. It's uh, it's it's an easy it's an easy thing to do. I think a lot of a lot of people when they picture Tom Baker, they picture him smiling, but. I love the fact that the figure has that sort of haunted look he does on the uh, the opening graphics. That was kind of the that was kind of the brief. I mean that again, you know, just resonated so much with me that that those still those opening credits that that first sort of kick of music and the the, the way the graphics sort of come at you and his sort of image really really still kind of you know haunts me. It's still very very you know sense memory as a kid. And that's how I think of Tom Baker. I mean, yes, he was, he got a lot goofier as, as mm-hmm. his as his seasons went on. He sort of became, you know, uh, a caricature sort of 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 himself and, and the character. Um, but yeah. I think the show got beaten up by the Mary Whitehouses of the world, though, and it had to be watered down a little bit. Yeah, to be fair, they they almost took they took the the heaviness and the darkness too far in a way. Mm-hmm. Got in trouble for it, and. You know, it got it got goofy, and I think he sort of got let off the off the chain. And um, you know, he was still great, but he he got more more lunatic. And um, that's not to me that that sort of flash of a grin was was rare in the episodes, as opposed to that sort of darkness that he had. He was he was very serious, and and uh, that's how I remember him. So that was that was the vibe we wanted to go for in the the first you know launching of this basically he kind of looks like he's about to deliver his soliloquy in in ark and space about man if you remember that where he's he's standing there alone on that that space station with all the frozen people I and mean, it's a very serious little uh speech he delivers about mankind and it's it's one of the things i really took away from that first season is his doctor being different well there's also a great um i always think about this shot I think it's Pyramids of Mars, I think. I think it's Pyramids of Mars. So the Pyramids of Mars story opens with, you know, ancient Egypt and the stuff that goes on with the guy in there and, you know, the curses, you know, whatever. But the first shot you see, and maybe I'm wrong, you might know this better than me, Brian, but that first shot you see in the TARDIS control room is a wide shot, and it's, it's a shot of Tom Baker. He's wearing his hat, and he's sort of looking down towards the ground. So that very first shot you see of him, he kind of looks up, He's not looking into the camera, but just off camera. And as his head sort of comes up, he's got this sort of somber look on his face. He's got his hands in his pockets, and then 
you know, Sarah Jane comes out and she makes a comment about something silly and he, he starts talking about how he's this time lord and walks, and walks in eternity. eternity. Yes. Yeah. And he needs to, you know, he's, he's unsettled or something. But that just, I always love that shot. Like it's just such a, if filmic is the right word, it's just it's a film, filmic sort of quality to that shot. And that's, again, what I think of when I think of his, his doctor, this kind of lonely, you know, bohemian that's out there doing whatever he's doing. And, you know, I'm getting very heavy about toys, but that's, that's kind of the, the look. I you've think you've captured it well. That's the vibe going on with that. And I love it. I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Um, now, of course, the, the other characters in the line, you've got Steyer. Um, yep. is Field Major Steyer, is that? The character field, field major style, yeah. And one of the things I want to point out on the podcast because I know people are going to say stuff. Field major style in that episode did not have the traditional Santaran three. Oh man, this is nerdy. Three finger hands. <laughs> he actually just had regular hands and gloves. That's right. It's it's it's, it's, it's a flub, story, I guess. The only story that that the Santaran has has the you know five five fingered hands and also doesn't carry the um that, that wand. traditional wand gun because they had three fingers where they'd it was like a like a syringe, like a hypo. Yeah. That they'd push the end of the thing and it would shoot lasers, whatever. So he's got like a little handheld, you know, gun. Yeah. The only only story. So it works with the amigos. So yeah, everybody can be quiet right now. <laughs> and and of course you've gone you've gone with I think of all the villains in that season the most Mego esque ones would be the Cybermen. Yeah, and, and you've righted a wrong uh, that Denny Fisher made back in the day is uh, the, you, your Cybermen does not have a nose. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the idea was to try to with with these selections, with these choices, to try to sort of um, you know, there's no way we're not going to probably you know duplicate what's going on in the past or what's going on with character options and stuff, but to try to, where possible, you know, pick characters that um, hadn't been done yet by character options and also straddle that historical line uh, of, of the original Dennis Fisher wave. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, we want to do Leela and we want to do, you know, maybe the giant robot eventually and the Dalek, you know, um, and Kana. Get the whole line out there, just sort of updated. So the Cybermen is a way to sort of, uh, the Cybermen and Tom Baker kind of say, this is a little wink to the Dennis Fisher line as well. Mm-hmm. That's and it's it's a, it's a great nod without going too far because the the Denny Fisher line I love it, but it is sort of it it, it suffers from a possible lack of attention towards the show a little bit, or and some they made some execution errors, um, at least I think in in some of the stuff. Some of the stuff like the giant robot is beautiful. And then you've got this very soft Tom Baker head. Yeah. You know, he did. Wasn't well, the legend always been, and this is a perfect topic for the Migo, yeah. the Migo podcast. Hasn't the legend always been that, you know, Dennis Fisher had the license for the new Avengers, the Avengers redo yeah. that happened in the 70s. Which, which, which those figures only. came out, by the way, in South Africa. So there, are you telling me there was a Gambit and a John Steed that came out in South Africa? I've talked to two people from South Africa. One guy was not a Migo collector, per se. Right. And he actually he described the figures to a T that are in the catalog. He said Gambit was in a karate gi 
and uh, and and Steed was in a suit, and he had the. How come there's uh, never been a photograph of either of these? South Africa is almost collector-free. I have what is apparently uh, the John Steed bowler hat. Uh, you somebody, do, because I've seen that in in a, in, a, in the one of the books. That's yeah, yours. Yeah, and um, no way. I got that from John Bonavita, a South African collector. Sent that to him. Oh my god! A few years ago, we had a discovery of a doll called Jet Jungle that no one had ever heard of before, and he right. he comes in a world's greatest superhero box. And I, I, in speaking to another collector, uh, who, who I bought my own off somebody in South Africa. And he also mentioned having the uh, the new Avengers dolls. Oh my God! I got to see. I, I'd love to get a Purdy. You yeah, know, I've never I've never seen that. I've never seen it on eBay or or anything. But the legend I always heard was that the Tom Baker doll head was a gambit. Was head. a Garrett, Garrett Hunt? It's you know, Garrett I Hunt think head. that was created by the um, the fellow who wrote the Doctor Who toy box. Okay. Um, and I don't know where he heard that, but if you look at Gareth Hunt. And you look at Tom Baker, and you look at that doll. It is side. It's a, it's a, it's an okay Tom Baker. That's the worst Gareth Hunt you've ever seen in your life. Well, that's what I thought, and also I thought those were you know twelve inch. They were twelve inch blow molded figures. Yeah, so I never I never quite got that. I always heard, and I always kind of believed it. It sort of would go along with the sort of historical shaft that Doctor Who has gotten throughout the years as far as merchandise is concerned. I mean, there was that boom in the 60s with the Daleks. And yeah, but that was more Dalek merchandising. It was all Dalek, yeah. And there was a brief, you know, explosion in the in the late 70s for Tom Baker. But a show that had the history that it does to be so short-changed in the toy department with, with so many possibilities. That's why the character option stuff is so amazing and, and, and beautifully done. Um, you know, that we're finally getting some of that stuff. I just, I never thought we'd have the choices. You know, it's something you always talk about, Brian. It's like the, the great choices we've got. You know, you can, people can complain all they want and say, you know, oh, I wish the head was different or like I'm not going to get this because it's not three and three quarter or whatever. The fact that we have these choices of licenses that are out there. It, it's know, almost like a Louis C.K. bit because people are complaining about their um axon figure and you're yeah. like, you're complaining about an action figure from one episode of a john pertwee show that you know like how how crazy is that you know yeah it's like, almost like i'm looking at some of the stuff that's out there going you know you guys made this for me like like yeah. the whole tron thing i was just was talking about tron the night with, with alex actually because he, he was i loved tron legacy um alex was like yeah it was okay but you know, I convinced him to see it again on video and uh, <clears throat> reassess it. But I just was like, you know, Tron was never cool. You know, it was never a cool movie. The aesthetic was was what carried it along. It always looked amazing. Uh, the concept was cool, but it was never a cool movie. The fact that you made, you took and you made something that was nerdy and lightweight, cool and poignant, and Jeff Bridges is wonderful in it, and the effects and everything. It's like, I, I can't believe I'm living in a world that we're talking about possibly getting new classic Tron toys. Yeah. Like, this is a movie nobody cared about. And the toys, nobody gave a shit about these toys when they, when they came out. Like this is a, we're living in a golden age of toys. I keep saying this and I keep repeating it ad nauseum, but you know, people pissed and moaned about the, the Watchmen movie, which I 
never understood. Like, what are you guys complaining about? This? Yeah. Have any of you seen Catwoman? You know how horribly <laughs> this can go? You know how badly it can be done? And, and I've got a Rorschach. I've got two Rorschach figures, a, 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 a small one and a 12-inch figure with a removable mask that comes with an aerosol can to melt people's faces off. I never thought this would happen in this world, that we'd get Watchmen toys. I'm, st- I'm staring at a Barnabas Collins doll. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I bought it. I, I, I was always kind of like a – I'm not a mega fan of Dark Shadows, mm. but I could not believe that I had the ability to purchase a Barnabas Collins Mego doll. I mean, like it's just, I had to have it, you know. I don't know. I don't really know. You know, I remember when I keep uh, talking about Product Enterprise too. What a great company Product Enterprise was mm-hmm. when they they were flying the flag for classic Doctor Who when nobody was. And um, yeah, I, I actually pre-ordered one of their. Um, they were going to do a twelve-inch Revenge of the Cybermen. That's right, and, and a Tom Baker too. Yeah, I was really excited about that, and I was oh, really it was amazing. sad. It was a really great looking figure, yeah. So I'm very thankful you picked up that torch because um, I I think I thought that was a great idea. Those guys made great stuff, and and I'm sorry stuff. to see them go. I I, I guess they kind of got swept away when the new show came out. They and, had a hell of a time because I, I would talk to those guys every now and then. They had a hell of a time because it was it was again sort of in the wilderness before the new show got launched and. Then when it did get launched, they sort of said, well, you know, you've got to put the new logo on everything you're doing. And they're going, well, no, we've got these beautiful, and they had artwork commissioned for their, for their packaging. Like, they were serious, man. And they, you know, had the classic logo on it. And then BBC was like, well, it's got to, it's got to be the new, you know, the new taxi cab logo. It's got to be on all your packaging. And they're like, why? You know, so they, they sort of got lost in that, in that shuffle. But, the fact that they, they, you know, gave us not one, but two versions of John Steed and Emma Peel as 12-inch figures. You or know, or, or still, Gay Ellis as, as uh, Gay Ellis, like, yeah, from UFO. Who, you know, God bless these guys for doing it. So oh, yeah. I hope that, I hope people look at some of our stuff and kind of feel the same way and go, oh, it's so cool that we're getting this stuff. And, you know, thanks for, you know, putting a, something on the shelf that was, was missing. You know, I, I hope, because that, that's, that's where our heads are sort of at with this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the Who again, when do you expect uh, folks will be able to get their hands on these? Say, say again, you just broke up there. Oh, sorry. When do you expect folks to be able to get their hands on the new Who line? Because I know a lot of people are, are itching to get these. The plan, if, if everything goes, goes according to plan and, and um, you know, the, you know, the vibe is there and the energy, uh, will be the same as last year. We'll, we'll show the, we show the Venture Brothers stuff at, at Toy Fair in New York. And just under the wire, we got actual physical product to Comic-Con in time for Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that we'll, you know, show the world everything, uh, you know, at, at Toy Fair like we did, and um, hopefully the first bits of merchandise will be be out in time for Comic-Con, where everything sort of explodes in, in July. Any uh, surprises you want to reveal for Comic-Con, or are you going to wait? Well, gosh... Uh, well, nothing that, I mean, everything, this is going to air after Toy Fair, so you'll have yeah. seen everything. Oh, okay. So, I wasn't sure if you guys were going to, uh, show off anything for Comic-Con. No, I don't think there'll be anything new. Um, well, yeah, but I don't want to talk. There will be a couple of things that I, I can't really reveal just yet. No worries. I guess, I guess we should probably switch gears and talk a little bit about Toy Fair and, and Venture. 
Um, you just mentioned Jonas Venture, which is fantastic. If there was ever a, a, a guy that looks like an action figure, it's Jonas Venture. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, of course, you're doing uh, Brock in the Sphinx outfit this year. Yep. Now, that's yep. got to be a fan favorite. Yeah, everybody, you know, the idea was to, um, you know, you, you can't, again, it's, it's kind of like the dude. You can't go wrong with with Brock or different sort of, um, you know, outfits and different versions of Brock because he's so popular. Mm-hmm. So it, the idea is to do something new for Brock, but also to kind of open a door for the Sphinx team and say, you know, if this works, then you'll get other members of the team, you know, following suit. Uh, so, everybody's uh, got their favorites, but I, I'm dying for a shore leave and a, and a Colonel Hunter gathers. I wanted to actually go with, I, I thought we'd initially go with shore leave. I wanted shore leave out there, uh, before, uh, Brock, but Brock was so strong as a, as a initial release that we thought we'd, we'd swap him instead. I, I love the idea of shore leave being, um, being out there, so to speak, but also a gay character, you know, embracing, we've got a, you know, we're the toy company that has a gay character out there. I'm not sure anybody else that... Um... Sure leaves gay? <laughs> Allegedly. He's very happy. <laughs> He's very happy. Let's put it that way. He has the greatest catchphrase I never repeat, which is, boom, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> boom, yummy, and the fact that he calls Brock, Brock Ness Monster, I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that that's the plan. You guys went with an interesting choice this year, too, and that is is the uh, the, the recurring... Uh, I don't know what you'd call him, but Dr. Henry Killinger, if he'd be a bad guy or, you know, um, but he's, he's a, he's obviously a fan favorite and he's a, his design is wonderful. Is is that why you guys chose him? Well, again, it's once you get to the secondary, you know, second and third tier characters, it starts to kind of, it really has to be a matter of, um, you know, what, what we think might be cool, but also kind of, you know, deferring to, the boards or the sort of fan base. And this is, you know, a huge part of where, you know, Chris, I mean, Jackson public, you know, comes in beyond, you know, his eyes on everything and, and, uh, tweaking everything and, and everything choice wise going Killinger is hugely popular. It's a hugely popular character. Um, you know, big fan favorite. So if, if, if we've got these three or four that we're sort of, you know, hemming and hawing between because they're sort of on the same level of, how many appearances there there have been, then, you know, he's going to lean towards Killinger because that's the one that's maybe, you know, more popular out of the four, kind of. So right. that's, it's a combination of, you know, I mean, it's it's tricky, too. It's like, it, it's, you know, we're not at the level yet with this, you know, either popularity-wise, success-wise, whatever you want to call it, where we start doing characters that were in one episode, you know, in four seasons of the show. Right. You know, so we have to try to pick ones that have made more than one appearance and have a bit of a following and, and so on. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to do... I, I, my, my initial thing was to... And we sort of got steered away from this because I really pushed it with, with Jackson. I wanted to do, um, you know, uh, David Bowie, the, the, uh, the Sovereign. <laughs> right. And, and I wanted to do the Sovereign, and I wanted to do the, the girl from the Art of Noise video. Oh, the little one that... Yeah. And there's a there's a... There's a Brian Eno that shows up as well, like a Roxy Music era Brian Eno. I think that's right. Is that is that in the uh, the, the the sort of post apocalyptic episode? I, I forget which episode that is, but I, I remember seeing it going, "Holy shit, that's that's Roxy era Brian Eno." Yeah, and those uh, guys you know, none are, of them music... are called that, but they're so specific and they're so 
they're so accurate that we really get into dicey territory trying to make those. So yeah, I, th- I think you should complete the triad first. <laughs> well, that yeah, that that we're working on that as well. Yeah. So hmm. it's all, and again, this this is another example where it really comes down to to fan response. I mean, it's the they've they've been embracing the eight inch format. They didn't get it at first, and they're starting to. And the fact that the guys that make the show love it so much, and this is what they always dreamed of it's, it's been a huge help with the with the fans but um you know we want we want to keep these waves going and right now we've got a you know we showed the, the third wave at uh at toy fair and hoping to go beyond it but you never know i mean we'd like to get the triad finished yeah mm. yeah jason it's uh scott again um has there ever been any discussion with uh, the venture brothers about doing uh, a playset at some point playsets are a question we always get asked about yeah we we talked about we talked about playsets vehicles um it's certainly there as a as a possibility it's it's there uh for doctor who as well i think we may see it for doctor who before we'd see it for venture brothers mm-hmm. but um but that's something that we sort of uh make sure we kind of have as an option when we talk to these folks about licenses and and uh yeah we've we've certainly talked about it internally mm-hmm I'm sure you've, you've probably considered doing a TARDIS. You, that idea hasn't, you know, has probably occurred to you. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, we, um, you know, we're, we're, we may have some surprises. That might be one of the surprises we sort of would have to show uh, at Comic-Con. Um, not necessarily for sale, but at least, um, you know, uh, in, in a prototype sort of form. Um, the idea being, again, you know, sort of, Straddling the fence of of you know retro and cool, but with an updated sort of sort of vibe. So it wouldn't be like a plastic. It would be sort of an enterprise, you know, reminiscent, you know, uh, Tardis slash playset. Sweet. I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing that. I got nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I was surprised you dropped the word Tardis. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've hung out on the Mega Museum long enough to know that TARDIS is an important thing in the Doctor Who world. No. <laughs> it's the Doctor Who's time box. You no, know, well, you know, I, hey, look, I'll tell you what. I was embarrassingly late to get into the Venture Brothers, and it took the the action figures to make me. Uh, settle down and watch all of the episodes of that show. So I wouldn't be surprised if I'm going to pick up a Doctor Who box set at some point so I can catch up with you guys. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, you're too busy. You've got, you know, you're too busy with Lost. You don't have time for anything else. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, but that, that's good. I'm glad that our toys got you to take another look at Venture Brothers. That's, that's a huge compliment, huge endorsement. Right on. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, that's great. Um, do you have anything else to say, Scott? Or uh, just along those lines is you know actually I got my monarch the other day and and my three year old saw the back of the package and we have to get the rest of the butterfly guys. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> the butterfly guys. That's the butterfly so awesome. guys. My my kids love the Venture Brother figures, but they know them as the guys from that show that they can't watch. <laughs> And, oh yeah, it's probably and, still a little little too much for them, huh? Yeah, and my son's name is Dean, so oh, so he loves the fact that I have an action figure of a kid named Dean. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, so it's it's kind of it's kind of a funny connection. 
Well, it's 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 cool that um, you know I, there was a lot of anxiety, you know, at a certain point with the uh, the retro figures and the announcement. And you know, the more you sort of looked at stuff and read, you know, message boards and oh my god, what a mistake and so on. And we weren't sure if everyone was going to come to the party, but um, uh, you know, people finally started to kind of come around and understand what the vibe was and that, you know, this may not be the only thing, you know, that there's, there's, there's still more potential for this license. This is what we want to do. And we may go off in a different direction someday, but you know, for now, you know, between us and the creators of the show, this is what we wanted to do. And this is what we think really kind of everybody sort of thought would, would uh, represent the show really well. And the good news for you guys and, you know, the flat you've been waving all your lives about Migos is that everybody's catching on. They're really digging what we're doing. I mean, we got some, uh, couple of, you know, like in, you know, internet sort of, you know, different website awards for our venture brothers line. One of them was like best animated line and, and considering all the animated toys that are out there for much bigger properties than venture brothers and much bigger companies that are doing them. That's hugely flattering that, um, people are taking the time to make comments like that and that are, that are loving the format and, and what we did with it. So that reminds me, I've got to ma- uh, mail you your Cubby Award for best sci-fi line. That's right. Where's my yeah. Cubby? It's coming. It's coming. Okay. Well, yeah. good. I got I got space on the shelf next to my Rondo. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I, I actually know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I got a Rondo and a Cubby now. What? What? Who needs Emmys and Oscars? Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Actually, yeah, the, guy, the guy who made the cubby, which is uh, is my friend Sean, actually has an Emmy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, tell him to keep the cubby, and I'll take the Emmy. Yeah, How's that? Well, you might have to fight him on that one. <laughs> okay, I'll fight him. On. No, that's that's huge, man. Get an award from you guys. It's just it's really really flattering. It means we're doing something right. I mean, obviously sales are important, and we want to, you know, we want to all be able to pay the bills and everything. But it's, you know, I I feel. You know, they asked me in the other interview, like, how do you know when you get it right? And it's funny, I'm, hearing it again, it sounds totally arrogant, me saying it, because there are a bunch of eyes that are on these things. It's not just like, you know, we just check off the boxes and go, okay, it's ready to go. There are plenty of eyes that are looking at these things. And all of our licenses, you know, Doctor Who, the BBC already has been terrifically detailed about things they think are right or wrong or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, our names are going on it, and we want to feel happy that what we've got out there is out there. Um, and and I'm happy with everything, and I, I I'm really thrilled that, you know, if I die tomorrow, that we're able to kind of bring that you know, 50 years of Twilight Zone, we made some toys and some bobbleheads, and people are responding to them, and these things that I love throughout my life that people are, you know, I'm not alone in loving this stuff, and. We're able to bring a little bit of pop culture to to life, you know. It's, it's very cool and very gratifying. Well, you've definitely got two fans here who really appreciate it. It's uh, incredible to actually be able to buy something new again. I, I've been so mired in the vintage. I think Scott as well. That it's it's exciting to have something you can buy for under twenty dollars. And, and, and get that same thrill again, especially with the properties you guys have been choosing, which are just awesome. That's well, so great. Well, there's more to come, and, and I hope you guys are on board for all of it. Yeah, oh. gonna yeah. try. Along those lines, I also you know want to say that like what's also exciting about this is like we actually get to have a little bit of input into how things are getting made because you guys have been so great about you know listening to people's suggestions. You can't take 
all of them. Right. But, but it feels like the community gets to be engaged with it, uh, you know, as opposed to Migo. I mean, <laughs> it's like yeah. 30, 30 years later, we're complaining about how they did things. But um, yeah. it's, it's, you guys have been really great about responding to, to the community and, and being open with us, and we really appreciate it. Oh, that's great to hear. We, I hope that, you know, I certainly hope we never alienate anybody and, and we can't read everything, we can't respond to, to everything, but, but so that your listeners and, you know, the people on the board understand that, you know, we're fans first and foremost, too. We love this stuff. You know, we're doing it. Um, there are, believe me, there are other lines of work and other things I could have done that probably would have taken less time and less heartache and headache and I would have <laughs> gotten more of a, a you know a reward from it financially than than trying to make toys. It, it is a it is a nightmarish, lengthy, crazy, insane, frustrating, exciting, wild you know process. It does not happen overnight. It is not um, it is not easy. And I, I sound like I'm whining, but I'm not. But it's, it's, I, I do it. We do it because we love it. But um, we do it because we're fans, and we want to bring cool toys to the shelves and give the world Flash Gordon toys that they never got and Doctor Who retro toys that we never got, you know. And that's why we're doing it. So we're 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 one of you guys. We're, you know, well, I mean, I am. I'm a geek, but I'm not a nerd. Let's just clarify that in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. Well, well, Jason, we can't. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for, for spending so much time with us, and uh, we can't wait to share this with the fans. Thank you Great. for being our yeah. first guest. Oh, I'm very excited. I should get an award for that too, right? That's, That's right. <laughs> we should do it. We should do it every every week. You know what? We should we should probably catch up with you in a couple months. Yeah, all let's, over again. For sure. Let's do it all over again. We got plenty more to talk about. I'd love to. All right. Fantastic. Thanks again. Th- thanks a lot, Jason. All right, thank you so much, guys. I hope it uh, hope it edits well. And that concludes our interview with Jason Lindsay. I hope you all enjoyed it, and uh, I really am looking forward to having Jason back. He's an easy guest. He certainly knows how to uh, tell a compelling story, and I uh, I think that from the reaction I heard on the boards, everybody was in agreement with that. So let's uh, look forward to more talking with Jason. And with the Toy Fair season coming out, we're going to see lots of announcements from MC, Heroes in Action, and, and hopefully other companies. And, and we'd like to have um, Paul and Joe from MC and, and Mark Huckabone uh, from Heroes in Action on the uh, on the podcast. Yeah, we're definitely going to we're, – we're in touch with all of those guys. We actually uh, uh, called Dr. Migo and, and tried to see if we could get a few minutes of his time to talk about what was going to happen. But he and Joe are in the weeds getting set up for Toy Fair and bringing, bringing your, your, your product to that, that big stage is, is a big chore. And um, mm-hmm. so once, uh, once they come up for air, we'll, we'll definitely spend some time with them and um, – and chat, and and I know that you and I, I just ch- texted Mark, and he's doing the same thing. And I know Scott, you're a man in demand right now because you're helping Mark with the uh, the presidential monsters display. I think I can say that now. Yes, uh, yes. And the the presidential monsters, I've I've had some insight as a Scott. Yeah, they are fantastic. They are kooky. They are absolutely wonderful, and I look forward to that. I don't know what MC has planned, but I did 
see Joe Senna advertising he needed two zombies to walk around his booth this weekend. Yes. So yes, I know. That, I don't know what that means. Uh, I, I think I know what that means, but it should be interesting. I really look forward to seeing what those guys have cooked up. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to see some some surprising and original uh, things come out of uh, out of Toy Fair from some of our uh, Mego compatriots. Um, so we're gonna uh, we we will be all over that as soon as we can. We want to thank you for listening to this third edition of the Mego Museum podcast. I think we we're I think we're getting better at it. We'll see. <laughs> um, but uh, let us know. Uh, be, feel free to drop us an email or post a message on the boards about other things that you'd like to hear us talk about. And um, we've got a lot of exciting things planned coming up. But let's enjoy the buzz of Toy Fair 2011 because uh, it's definitely yet another year of the Remigo. Until then, this is Brian. And this is Scott saying, collect, 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 collect them, all. them all. Migo.